listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of ACB Advocacy Update. This is Claire Stanley, the Advocacy and Outreach Specialist here at ACB. And Clark Rockfall, Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. Thank you to everyone listening via your favorite podcast player, as well as those out in ACB Radio Land. If you'd like to learn more about ACB, please visit our website at acb.org. And as always, thank you to Sprint T-Mobile for underwriting this podcast and all of our podcasts between now and the end of 2020. Which is weirdly coming very soon. So fast. So crazy. Although I think most of us are very happy for 2020 to be over soon. Yeah, I feel kind of like a bear. Like I've just been hibernating for the past (laughs) six months. Yeah. Thanks, COVID. Yeah, thanks, COVID. And all of a sudden, it'll be spring again. (laughs) Woohoo! Um, But we won't talk about negative topics like COVID, if I can speak. We will talk about happy topics because, Clark, do you know what this Thursday is, the day this podcast is airing? It is not International Talk Like a Pirate Day. That would be awesome. And it's not... National Dog Appreciation Day. Do you know that October twenty second? I love that you know that. Did you know that there's a National Donut Day? What a beautiful holiday! I believe that's in June or July. Though, I like Claire. that you know that. Well, yeah. whatever. No, <laughs> it is National White Cane Day, and I've actually heard some people say it's international. I have heard both. So, and I've heard White Cane Awareness Day, White, White Cane, cane Safety, Safety Day. Day. So it has many, many iterations and different names. Many names over the past. Geez, nearly 60 years. It started in 1964. I'm trying to do the math really quick. Yeah, 66 years. Is it? Can I do the math? Yeah. Maybe 56. 56. Shut but up. <laughs> this is why we work in advocacy and GR, folks. There's no math. No math. Yeah. No math whatsoever. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, when I picture celebrating this day in my head, I picture somebody with a white cane like raised up in the air over their head because it's mighty and exciting and it's the white cane. <laughs> That's basically what it's all about. It's it about acknowledging the independence and abilities of people who are blind and visually impaired. And what symbol, other than maybe a, a guide dog, a service animal, best represents the abilities, freedom, and independence of people who are blind than people who are blind navigating using a white cane. Exactly. Um, So today we are very honored and blessed to have three ACB members talk with us. Um, So we'll start off with Mr. Jeff Tom, then we'll go on to Maria Kristich, and then we will end um, the podcast with the awesome Lindsay Tilden. So excited to talk to different people from different states, different backgrounds, different ages, different genders. So hopefully it'll bring uh, a nice roundabout picture of, of those of us who use mobility devices and have independence. And stay tuned, and we will be right back with our first guest. Again, talking about White Cane Day and basically mobility and transportation for people who are blind and low vision. We are Friends in Art. An affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. We sing, compose songs and poems, play musical instruments, read and write books, paint pictures, and take photographs. We are playwrights, potters, sculptors, weavers, and storytellers. We are members of the audience and patrons of art museums. We celebrate beauty in all that surrounds us. We are friends in art. 
Join us in the art parlor for stimulating interviews, thoughtful conversations, and the latest art-related information. Beginning each Saturday at 8 p.m. on ACB Radio Mainstream. Welcome back, everyone. And now we are speaking with ACB board member as well as chair of the ACB Advocacy Steering Committee as well as the Advocacy Services Committee. Um, hailing from the great state affiliate of the California Council of the Blind, Jeff Tom. Jeff, how are you doing today? Doing well, thank you. I've heard the fall has finally arrived in Northern California, and hopefully it's given you all some help with the, the fires out there as well. Yes, the air quality is much better. And with that good air quality uh, on White Cane Day, hopefully it's a good opportunity for everyone in California to get out and about. I hope so. People should do as much walking as they can. There you go. So, Jeff, you are a longtime cane user, is that correct? That's correct. How long have you been using a white cane? So I guess my first mobility lesson, unlike the way they do it today, I was first given a cane when I was 14, which was pretty standard back in the late 60s, I I gather, to to start in high school. And um, so it wasn't really till I was most of the way through high school that I had a pretty good understanding of, you know, how to you know, work around my community, um, you know, using a cane. And you said that you'd received or were uh, given your first cane at 14. Uh, what was that like? Were you hesitant to receive a cane? Did you take to it right away? It's a, a little bit hazy in my memory <laughs> in part because <laughs> it's been so long, but I had a great um, mobility instructor who was right out of college, who was, young and she was dedicated and and extremely concerned about you know helping people with vision impairments for her job and I think that um impelled me to be uh if I had any hesitancy I got over it pretty quickly um so that's my memory of it at that at that stage. Uh, it certainly sounds like that O&M instructor made a, a lasting impact. Um, and I know you do a lot of work with ACB as well as the Vision Serve Alliance on the, the state of rehabilitation. Um, so talk a little bit about the importance of that specialized training for people who are blind in O&M fields, but also as well as other fields. Well, there's no question that the whole field of vision rehabilitation is one that um, we do a pretty good job on in terms of the services we give to our youth. Um, You know, we start now a lot earlier than when I was a child, and that's great. Um, I wish we had the numbers of um, people in the field as well as the facilities to provide the same level of services for all those, you know, hundreds of thousands of seniors who could use those services 
um, and who really um, uh, provide a greater challenge than the, you know, K through 22, you know, children do, because it's a lot easier to learn at young age than it is when you're older, but it's so important for independence. So as one who is now, you know, heavily involved in the area of services to seniors with vision loss, I, I, I really hope that we can engender um, as both a way of educating the, the community um, and those who are losing their vision, that these services can provide you with the independence that you thought you were going to lose. Yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head there, Jeff. It is that's so much easier to to learn, you know, te- teach a young dog new tricks and to pick up orientation mobility when we're young, younger. Uh, and there certainly are dedicated professionals out there who are are willing to serve folks who lose their vision later in life. Um, you know, we're always working to make sure that folks who are in that situation or in those circumstances have access to the resources that they need more is always better. Um, and, you know, proper orientation and mobility training is certainly a key aspect of maintaining that independent quality of life. Uh, Jeff, a white cane is, is somewhat of an iconic symbol. How do you feel personally about being, you know, instantly identifiable um, as somebody who is blind by carrying a white cane. And I'll preface that by saying I still have, especially children, ask me if I'm going fishing or if I have a ski pole when they see me out with my cane. So maybe it's not mm-hmm. as instantly identifiable as we all think, but what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, it, it, it is, of course, an important symbol. And I think it is the sort of thing that we need, whether it's a cane or a dog, that we need to promote as part of our, um, our, our well-being, our pride in who we are. Um, you know, we, we say oftentimes that the stigma of blindness is due to the stigma that society puts on us. But To a great degree, it's also due to the stigma we put on ourselves. Mm. And um, we need to, you know, I can remember as early as the 1960s when the um, phrase, you know, black is beautiful first started to be coined. And that sort of phrase is still used today um and it's still important today because there's you know we there are self-esteem issues for you know communities of color in the society and we have even a bigger one um we need to be proud of ourselves you know it's totally understandable why uh seniors of vision loss don't like the word blind they don't they don't want to be you know thought of as blind or even as low vision, you know, they just want to feel like, well, I have a little less vision than I used to, but, you know, to the degree that we can make them understand that who they are is not defined by their vision loss, that who they are is, uh, 
defined by, you know, the quality of life that they, you know, desire to have and work towards and who they are is defined by their, you know, their inner being, their personality, um, then they're going to go a long way toward making themselves more independent. So that's a long answer, but the, you know, the crux of the matter is we should be proud of carrying a cane and um, use it as a symbol of our independence and our well-being, not as a, a, not as giving the thought of the fact that we're somehow a burden on society or we're lesser beings than other people. Another great point. Yeah. Whether it's uh, skin color, body shape, uh, body size, uh, you know, we, we have an ACB affiliate, uh, Blind Pride International for uh, LGBTQ members. So uh, sexual orientation or gender, uh, no matter who you are, um, I like it. Have pride in yourself, have pride in the lifestyle that you choose to live and the goals and the aspirations that you have and uh, embrace that cane and go out and seize the world. Absolutely. One, one more question for you, Jeff. Um, we're talking about white canes today, but also it's it's broader than white canes. It's about uh, you know personal independence and pursuing opportunities. Why have you made the decision, and have you always been a, a white cane user? And why a white cane over a guide dog or a service dog? So I've always been a white cane user. I am in a um, mixed marriage in in the sense that uh, my wife is a long, long time guide dog user. Um, But before I discuss my own preferences, I would say that my wife is the type of guide dog user who has always respected and had and continues to use on occasion a cane because she knows that having those skills is important and one should not ignore the use of a cane. There are many users of one or the other um, mobility choice, either a cane or a dog, who will vehemently argue that one is better than the other. I could easily take either side of that debate and make all the arguments for either choice. But to me, it's really a, a personal uh, choice. I, although I like you know some dogs, I especially like bigger dogs. Um, I, it's not the sort of thing I want to be have to take care of all the time. And I think there is a lot of personal responsibility that goes into being a really excellent guide dog user. And I don't want to have to deal with all of that. Um, I, I also tend to, even though I know um, that oftentimes a dog would be able to get me where I want to go more quickly and more easily, I tend to like to have um, the ability to sort of, you know, look at my surroundings with my hand, my free hand or whatever. Um, And 
I just, and there are times when I'm walking with my wife that that actually comes in handy because um, she will ask me to, just as I will say, okay, I'm going to follow you because, you know, you know, her dog knows where we're trying to go or can navigate through it more, more easily. She'll say to me, you know, okay, you know, he's not finding what we need, you know, find this door or find, you know, the planter or whatever we're looking for. So, you know, um, both uh, types of mobility choices have their advantages. And it's the one I um, happen to like. And, you know, I don't want to give anybody a stroke by changing my choice to a guide dog, because I think if I did, some people would probably drop in, in a thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's it's true what they say. Uh, you all are more progressive out there in California, so I commend you for being part of an intermobility uh, marriage, a, a cane user and a guide dog user, and certainly want to thank you for sharing your thoughts with us here today. Uh, one more question that was not on the list, but Jeff, because you are the the chair of both the Advocacy Steering Committee as well as the Advocacy Services Committee, I guess, how important is personal independence and access to orientation and mobility? How important is that to the advocacy work that ACB does on behalf of our members? Well, it's probably more important than we actually give it uh, credit for being or, or that we give it time. Um, we, we probably need to do more in terms of, um, you know, white cane day activities and in terms of, um, as I talked about earlier, reducing the stigma of going around with a cane or a guide dog by, you know, uh, showing, uh, showing folks that are suffering recent vision loss that, you know, you can be proud of being a person with vision loss and that your life doesn't need to end. So, you know, we need to do what we can to show um, that, you know, people who are blind or who have low vision are, you know, just as important as anyone else and can do just about anything they really want to. And that cane or that guide dog helps them to do it. It isn't a sign of weakness. And to echo those comments, I think that's a a great call to advocacy for our state affiliates, our local chapters um, to be active and visible in the community and not just the, the blind and low vision community, but the, the broader community to uh, basically normalize, remove that stigma, show that somebody who's blind or low vision, whether they're using a white cane or a guide dog, is able to uh, do everything that they want to do in pursuit of the life they want to live. Those types of activities really bear fruit, and you never know what type of, of, of fruit they might bear. It could be that you know five years from now, somebody who saw it you know, is going to become a city councilman. And when they do, and they think back about that, what they saw, it could cause them to have a totally different attitude on an issue of importance to blind people. So you, you can't really measure the worth of what you do by what happens the day of an activity, because down the road, it can really 
potentially, you know, pay dividends. Jeff, again, thank you so much for joining us on the advocacy update here to celebrate White Cane Day. And folks, stay tuned and we'll be joined by our next guest in a moment. Did you know that 80% of Americans with vision loss are 50 and older? Hi, I'm Jeff Tom, president of the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, AAVL, an ACB affiliate. It is the goal of AAVL to be a voice for seniors who are blind or have low vision. We want to ensure that you have the services you need to remain or become independent. To join AAVL or learn more, go to our website, www.aavl-blind-seniors.org or call me at 916-995-3967 or email me at jsthom at comcast.net. Hey, everybody. We are back for our second interview as we talk about White Cane Day on this episode. Um, So we have um, a different guest today um, to talk from a a different perspective. You know, we call it White Cane Day, but it's not just about canes. It's about independence and travel. And so some of us use guide dogs. Um, So we're going to talk to um, another individual today who has obviously been a white cane user in part of her life and is now a guide dog user. So without further ado, Maria, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, and thank you, Claire, for having me on the podcast. So I'm uh, Maria Christich. I have a I've been a guide dog user since uh, May 31st of 2011 when I met my uh, first guide dog with whom I'm currently working now. She's a little uh, 55 pound chocolate lab called Lacey. And uh, other being yeah, and being a guide dog user has definitely been one of the best decisions that I've taken. So I'm looking forward to talking more about that. So I'm, I'm a member of uh, ACB through several affiliates, including the Guide Dog Users Inc. And I am a uh, financial analyst for one of the public authorities in New York State. And my guide dog, uh, Lacey and I, we live in Albany, New York. And my next question I was going to say, I assume you're a white, a white cane user beforehand, but I shouldn't assume that because I do know some people who start with dogs or there are all kinds of variations. So were you a white cane user before you got Lacey? Sure, sure. So that's a good question. Yes, indeed, I was. So I am totally blind. And so soon after I came with my family to U.S., uh, we are originally from Bosnia. Uh, I turned five soon after we came. And so I started at that point my uh, kindergarten education here. And right from the get-go with uh, being totally blind. I was introduced to the white cane and uh, I was definitely a user all the way through and in high school and undergrad. And, um, you know, I hesitate to say I was as if it's in the past because uh, as we know, there are sometimes situations where it might not be the best approach to take uh, your guide dog into certain situations. And so I have occasionally still used my cane uh, when I've gone out sometimes. And I also carry one with me in my bag. You know, you, I never know if I uh, get to somewhere unfamiliar. Uh, it is good to get some more tactile information with the cane when exploring a new place, perhaps. And um, just as a backup, I, I never know what's going to happen. So uh, yes, while I'm absolutely a pri- primarily and vast majority of the time a guide dog user, uh, that cane is definitely still a good backup for me to have. How important is it for you as a uh, you know, a guide dog user, but also to to use and maintain those cane skills. 
That's a great question, Clark. That's, that is hugely important. You know, you never know when your dog is going to be feeling sick and you still need to commute in, well, pre-COVID time and hopefully at some point in the future again, <laughs> commute again to work or, you know, school or what have you. Um, you know, you still need to be able to do that if your dog can't work for whatever reason. And, um, you know, a lot of those skills that you use as a cane user, those orientation skills are still going to be very, very useful as a guide dog user. The Your auditory clues, your clues as to what is under your feet, the type of textures, uh, any kind of you know smells perhaps in your area depending on where you go those they're still going to continue to be useful but absolutely even even when it's not a question of whether I should take Lacey somewhere or um, whether you know if, if even if she's feeling great every once in a while occasionally I will you know take my cane out and, and leave her and just go for a walk to make sure that I am keeping up those skills and not only that but you know the guide dog schools and and I think this is why, because some of those same skills are useful and because of having that backup, you know, they want to see good cane skills. So even for that, when it comes time for me to apply for my next dog, I have to be able to show that I have good cane skills. So it's absolutely something that I've uh, driven to, to keep up with. So my next question, I always feel like I sound really corny when I say it, but I, I always love to ask it. What does using a guide dog mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds kind of like an interview question. Um, but, yes. Yes. <laughs> but it's a great question. Uh, you know, it, it, it means a lot of things to me. It means more fluid travel. And I don't mean that at all as a cane versus guide dog. I think they're both great methods of uh, travel and they're just different. Um, for me, it means more fluid travel and that it is faster when Lacey is just figuring out, looking at it quickly and assessing the best way around an obstacle. It is faster than my, you know, checking out every uh, side of, of whatever it is to figure out how I'm going to proceed. Sometimes half the time, I don't even know that I've, you know, there are certain things, oh, there was a bench there. I have, you know, I had no idea. We just went around it. Um, so it's, it's faster. It's more fluid. Uh, the fact that she, after we've done routes a certain number of times, she just starts to remember them and needs a lot less support from me on them. And we just go where we need to go. It's meant that I have a greater confidence because I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm never alone. You know, if I start to get a bit lost and start to feel a little panicky, you know, for her sake and picking up on my energy and for my own, I have to say, okay, wait a minute, take some deep breaths and, you know, think about this rationally and let's get out of it together. And, you know, some, and, you know, sometimes I have to just trust her and say, okay, let's go forward and, you know, see what she's, uh, what she sees. And so just that, that wonder too, you know, of, of seeing her, uh, of knowing that she's thinking, you know, saying, okay, she, we're coming up to a door and, oh, she, she's turned her head a little bit. She wants me to know that that's there in case I want to go there or, you know, seeing the intelligent disobedience where um, she will, as a, it's a safety measure that she'll disobey a command if she deems it unsafe based on the current situation and such. So it's her skill and the fact that I'm not alone has definitely given me greater confidence in traveling. And it's also meant, you know, greater social connections with the public, you know, for, for better or worse. So a lot of times it's great. Sometimes you're in a hurry and people want to tell you all about their dogs and you're kind of like, okay, I, I need to go. But this, yes, this is interesting, but <laughs> I have to go. But, but for the most part, you know, it's been this great icebreaker. I found that, you know, people are very nervous about the canes sometimes and they don't know how to approach and what to say. 
But when you're coming with the dog, it's, oh, you have such a beautiful dog. And so it's just this very natural icebreaker. I've met people I wouldn't have met. It's opened some doors for conversation that I wouldn't have had without her. And, you know, it also just means having this great friend, you know, and they're not guide dogs working. They're just, they're regular dogs. And it's, you know, she, she makes me laugh. She can tell if I need a break and she'll bring me toys. She wants to play and um, she's just, <laughs> you know, happy and in the moment and um, just, you know, really sweet. So um, I'm, she's, she's the first dog that I've ever had. So, you know, I'm very much like, wow, I've been missing out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so it's, it's, as I said, definitely it's been one of the, um, the best decisions I've taken you know I one of the quotes that really resonated me I think it was in the original pick of the litter movie and uh one of the handlers said you know a cane is great but it doesn't have a wet nose and a fuzzy face (laughs) and uh that's that's definitely (laughs) absolutely So uh, it's, it means uh, a lot of things to me. And, um, you know, I definitely see myself being a, a guide dog user for a very, very long time. Do you have any uh, funny stories? I always love to ask people if they have embarrassing <laughs> stories or funny stories or awesome stories of what Lacey's done. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, which to choose. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I would have to say uh, I was in a class. This was for um, one of my graduate uh, classes. This is on mergers and acquisitions, and it's the final class. It's, <laughs> and it's presentations. The students have to uh, pitch. They is a fictional company that they're representing, and they have to pitch their deal of, uh, you know, merger and acquisition, and the students are supposed to be able to ask questions. This is the professor afterward and so the last presentation's done five minutes left of class and the professor turns to this one student and goes so what did you think would you would you buy this company and the student is just very hesitant and goes well I I suppose it was fine and before anyone can follow up with anything else my Lacey who's usually so quiet and harnessed you just would never know she was there she lets out two full-throated loud barks and we just the entire class just <laughs> burst out laughing it was the most unexpected thing <laughs> and the professor says well clearly Lacey must disagree with you or something <laughs> and and then the best friend he goes well strong finish Lacey I don't think we're gonna ask any more questions now and class is dismissed and no one had to answer anything so she sabotaged in a good way the end of class so that is that is one of many but yes they are definitely they're well trained but they are dogs which that adds to their charm and and they know when to uh when to uh add a little bit of uh adventure into life for sure (laughs) can you tell us a little bit about kind of cane culture and guide dog culture and what it's like you said your your family's from bosnia and you were born in bosnia you know our is cane use as widely seen there or are there stigmas or just kind of what's what's the difference or is there no difference at all between the two countries or sure sure that yeah that's a great question um you know i think there definitely are uh those who do travel with canes and uh, a few with guided dogs i think you know from a wider standpoint uh based on what i've learned too from speaking with 
of a couple of people who are living there now who are blind, there is this wider question of, you know, people who are blind having independent travel and being seen out and about. And there could definitely, according to a couple of these people that I've spoken to, there could be some improvement in that as a whole. But in terms of those who are um, traveling and, and doing things, uh, there there's definitely more cane use than guide dog use as there is here in U.S. also. Um, I think in terms of guide dogs, there is a, a law that allows for people to be accompanied with their dogs in public and they're supposed to be accommodated, but there isn't as strong of an enforcement mechanism as there is here. And culturally, there is also still, I think it's slowly changing, but there's still this notion of the dog belongs outside. And so, mm. yeah, and so that definitely affects the um you know, compliance with that provision. And also there are straight, there are stray dogs in Bosnia. And so that makes it a little trickier. You know, sometimes I, I spoke with a guide dog user who chose not to get another dog for the time being, because he felt he was so worried that his dog might pick up some kind of, you know, poison. Or, or just some kind of sub- suspect substance on the ground and he kept having to watch her head and you know it was just causing him a lot of stress and anxiety too mm-hmm. um so you know in yeah. terms of uh i've i have personally more recently traveled um to croatia which is a bordering country where i also have family and shares a language and is um you know very similar in a lot of ways because it was also part of the former yugoslavia and um i traveled with Lacey in 2016 and in terms of the level of awareness there i was actually quite surprised overall at the level of awareness one of the places where I was there was uh, actually there is a guide dog user and I I didn't interact with her but people told me when she was around so I I passed by her apparently a couple of times and so you know perhaps it was uh, in this one place because of her kind of setting a precedent but overall I went to a few cities and the level of awareness was pretty good there wasn't so much of a recognition by the harness that she was a guide dog so I did have a lot of places say oh you can can't bring dogs here. But when I explained that she was a guide dog, there was awareness of what that was. For the most part, people allowed me. The hardest time that I had was in hotels. Um, it There were definitely mm. a few times, again, with that law enforcement mechanism not being as great, I had people straight up telling me they didn't particularly care that it was the law that they had to allow her. So, mm. um you know, eventually, of course, it worked out. But um, so there was so, you know, overall, I, I do think things are in Croatia, there is a guide dog school. So that helps uh, in terms of the advocacy front. So, you know, I, I would say things are, you know, slowly, uh, slowly changing, but there is, you know, definitely as, as there is here as well, but more so there, um, you know, still some some work to be done. Dorky question, but how do you say dog in your native language? Aha! Uh-huh. We'll <laughs> so it's interesting. So um, there are several words that you can use. Um, I usually use tsuko. There's also a word that's uh, pus, and there's also kutsa. So <laughs> there's many ways to say it. I love that. Many words for dog. I love that. That's a great way to end. Exactly. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Maria. We really appreciate hearing from you today. Well, thank you. Help. I need somebody. Let's face it, we are increasingly challenged to keep up with ever-changing technology. Would you like more help with how to use some tech device or equipment? How about programs and apps in your personal life and work? Consider joining Blind Information Technology Specialists, BITS. 
membership gives you access to our exclusive email list for exchanging ideas, getting sometimes hard-to-find technical assistance, online presentations, workshops, and tutorials, and our live chat sessions. To join, go to bits-acb.org or email treasurer at bits-acb.org. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We have another great and awesome guest to talk to. I love how we have bounced from California to New York back to California today because our last guest is another Californian. Um, So before we jump in and ask questions, I'll just briefly introduce our last guest of the day. We are speaking with Lindsay Tilden. Um, Many of you might know her her, from her involvement with CCLVI, which we're going to talk about today. Fun fact, Lindsay and I actually met at our first um, national ACB convention. We were both scholarship winners, and we were roommates back in 07 in Minneapolis. So fun fun times and making it go full circle. So thanks for being here, Lindsay. Sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Claire and I go way back. So, (laughs) Do you want to briefly, in 30 seconds or less, introduce who you are, Lindsay? Um, Sure. Um, Hi, everyone. I'm Lindsay. Uh, Like Claire said, I'm in California. I live in the San Diego area. Uh, I am married to um, my fantastic spouse, Paige, and we have two kids um, who are two, almost three, and then eight months, and I am a speech-language pathologist working in an elementary school. So basically, you have your hands full. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, you know, I've got tons of time all the time. I get bored. No, yeah, <laughs> I'm busy all the time. <laughs> Love it. Cool. Um, So yeah, we can just jump in. So like we've talked about with everybody today, um, this coming week, when it all air is White Cane Day. And I've actually, as I've Googled it, it's both National White Cane Day, but some people celebrate it at the uh, uh, world level, at the international level. So however you address it, it's White Cane Day. Um, So we thought we'd talk a little bit about independence for those of us who are blind, whether you use a white cane or a guide dog, like we talked about with Maria, for a lot of us, it's both. And then for some people who are blind or low vision, they might not use a white cane. And so what that decision looks like, how you make that decision. Um, So we thought as a member of CCLVI, it would be cool to hear from somebody with low vision who might use a cane, might not use a cane, might use a guide dog, might not use a guide dog, all the different variations, obviously, it's what I'm trying to convey. So I wanted to ask you kind of the first question, as somebody with low vision, do you use a mobility aid? If so, which one and why did you make that decision? So I do now. I'm currently a cane user, but I didn't growing up. I've been visually impaired my whole life. I had O&M lessons for using a cane from elementary through high school, but I had enough vision that I really didn't need to. I could get around pretty well on my own. Um, I had the lessons. Um, sometimes I would use a cane pretty much if my parents asked me to. Sometimes, a lot of times, when we went on vacation, they would ask me to bring it with us, or if we were going to be going somewhere like downtown busy. My mom loved uh, having me use the cane for street crossings because she said the cars stayed like 10 feet back from the crosswalk when I did that. But, yeah, it helps to identify you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Lindsay, when did, when did you decide to use a cane? Uh, not until, so I lost, um, some vision towards the end of high school, beginning of college. I started missing steps or bumping into things more and kind of, um, came to the realization that it wasn't really safe for me anymore to be going around without. Um, at that point I still didn't use a cane. I 
um, didn't like the idea of using a cane. And I'd always liked the idea of having a guide dog. So I applied and went and um, got my first guide dog, uh, Valencia. So that was um, towards the end of college when I did that. And I was a guide dog user for 11 years until she retired last October. And I've been a cane user pretty consistently since. And other fun fact, just all these roommate stories, Lindsay and I were roommates at Guide Dogs when we got our first Guide Dogs. So basically, Whoa. Lindsay and I have been roommates through all the fun adventures of life. That was a fun four weeks. That was very fun. <laughs> we enjoyed but, it. And Lindsay, I'm definitely a dog person, um, only pets, not a guide. Um, so I certainly understand the appeal of having that cold, wet nose and the wiggly tail and, uh, you know, kisses to infinity. Mm-hmm. But what was it that appealed to you about a guide dog versus using a cane or other mobility devices? Um, I mean, I think initially the appeal, like when I was, I think it was seven when I first found out about guide dogs being a thing, it was definitely the wet noses and waggly tails and, <laughs> and wanting to have a dog. Um, when I actually made that decision to go, it was, well, I either need to start using a cane, which to be honest at that time, still sometimes now I'm like, mm, I hate that. I don't like the attention. I feel like I feel weird using it. Or I can go get a dog. Ooh, having a dog, that sounds fantastic. I'm going to go with that option. So that was <laughs> kind of my deciding factor there. You, Like you said, you uh, are currently a white cane user. Um, you had Valencia for many years. And by the way, Valencia was an amazing dog. She was a sweetheart. Um, what's that transition been like in the last year or so since you've gone back to using a white cane? Um, it's been It's been interesting because I'm definitely in a different place in my life with my acceptance with my vision and how I think about myself with my vision. Um, So I've been more comfortable with having a cane now than when I had her before that when, you know, I was in high school and, you know, that's just a totally different world than, you know, once you've been established as an adult for a while. For sure. Um, I definitely like the, the ease of not not having to think about, you know, the caring for an animal aspect of having a guide. Not having to, where am I going to relieve my dog? And when do I need to take my dog out? And dog has to eat. Um, that part is really nice. But there are some definitely pieces that I miss of having a dog. Like, you know, being able to find doors to go in and out of buildings. I hadn't realized how much um, I relied on that with having Valencia um, to be able to use that as to, you know, now using a cane. And right now I'm not doing a ton of, of travel with, you know, between quarantine and having two small kids, I'm home a lot, but um, that was definitely something I noticed. I went to uh, the Rochester convention without Valencia. I had my cane at that point and I noticed that a lot while I was on that trip. That was a fun convention to test out everyone's orientation and mobility skills. So congratulations, you passed. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> yes with two hotels and a separate convention center, uh, whether taking the sky bridges on the second level or navigating the streets and crosswalks on the ground level. Yeah, that, that one posed uh, a fun challenge for all of us. <laughs> Sure. And Lindsay, you mentioned uh, becoming that you became comfortable 
or more comfortable with, you know, who you are in your vision um, and your decision to use a, a cane and a, a guide dog. Is that a, a common theme among members of CCLVI? I mean, I, I certainly know that I have, I, I want to say struggled, hopefully I've done more than struggle, but I, I've certainly experienced that as my vision has slowly deteriorated over time. I, yeah, I think that is a pretty um, common narrative as people go from having just low vision to if, you know, they have a condition that where their vision does deteriorate of transitioning from, you know, uh, okay, I can see things, I can walk around, get around by myself, I can read, print and do this to, okay, maybe I need some more um, aids like a monocular or handheld magnifiers to, you know, um, I'm somewhere in the in between where now instead of just using a screen magnification program on my computer, I do also use the screen reader for reading emails just because it's so much faster. So I think that is a pretty commonplace um, narrative to see. Um, and, you know, obviously in, for the mobility aspect going from I, I can get around just fine. I don't use uh, a cane or a guide dog to where I was in college where, uh, you know, several times within one week, I, you know, tripped over curbs or, you know, fell down a few stairs and, and thought to myself, well, this is probably not the best route mm-hmm. to be going. I need to, you know, suck it up and, and admit to myself that I've lost enough vision that now I need to be a cane user. Yeah, for sure. And, it, and for f- folks who are, working through that or who have friends or family who are working through um, those challenges right now? Do you have any words of advice or words of encouragement? I think one piece is allowing yourself to have those feelings of grieving the loss of your vision because it is a loss and it does cause uh, significant changes in your day-to-day life for all sorts of daily living skills, um, but also knowing that more and more in our society, we're talking about disability and looking at things not from the lens of, oh gosh, that's terrible. How are you ever going to survive? Of Okay, you have these difficulties. Everyone has difficulties. Let's find ways to adapt and accommodate that. And that more and more even, you know, our mainstream society side world is looking at things that way. And so understanding that it's it's not something to be shameful of. I think that was something I felt, especially through like middle school and high school years, like, oh, you know, I, I should be embarrassed about this. I, I can't let my disability show. People will judge me. And more and more, that's that's not the case with the general public. People want to help and people are understanding about people having disabilities. Mm. Yeah, newsflash, um, with or without a disability, middle school and high school kids are the worst, and they will judge you anyway. Yeah. They, they don't need a reason. <laughs> oh, yes. So true. 
Well, Lindsay, I know it's probably a little raw because Valencia has recently passed away, but do you have any funds? I always love to ask people who are guide dog users because as a longtime guide dog user myself, I know that they can make us smile. Do you have any fun stories you'd like to end with to tell us about Valencia that are funny or make you smile or you were super proud of her or any or all of the above? Sure. Yeah. I mean, there are so many, like anyone who's a guide dog knows they could, I, you know, you could talk for hours about stories about your guide dog. One of my family's favorites was one time when we went to the Living Desert, which is a zoo outside of Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it's always fun taking your guide dog to a place where there are wild animals and seeing how they react and how the animals react. <laughs> and this particular trip, there were several of the animals that had really funny reactions to her. Um, One of them being the cheetahs who were kind of just chilling aloof off over in their enclosure, not paying attention to the people. And then we walked by and one by one, they started noticing Valencia and like perked up and started coming like towards the edge of the enclosure where we were. And we're like, Oh wow. Like they really like Valencia. And then a, um, like a, one of the, tour trams drove by and the tour driver was like oh look it looks like the cheetahs have spotted the antelope and we're like i know it's not the antelope they've spotted it's a dog it's a dog yeah so we uh we quickly exited there in case one of them decided to make an escape attempt to check out the new animal um another one the meerkats who they live in burrows underground and then they'll have several who are out keeping guard um, mm-hmm. The second one of them spotted Valencia, it jumped up and was like running around alerting the others that were out like, Mayday, Mayday, this is not a drill. There's a predator out there. And literally <laughs> within probably 30 seconds, all of the meerkats went on. And we're like, well, I guess we're done here. But my, my favorite was um, there were some, I think there were Mexican wolves. And their enclosure was lowered from where you would, so you would look down into their enclosure. And we went by and they saw Valencia and they started running and jumping like, hey, look, hey, look, it's one of us. Hey, how did you get up there? Hey, come down and play. They were just so excited. So uh, that was a a very fun day. And I think Valencia enjoyed it, too. Oh, oh, well, I have fun memories of V. So it's fun to hear stories about her. Yeah, for sure. Great. Well, thank you so much for talking with us. It's great to have different perspectives of cane users versus guide dog users and low vision versus total vision loss. And so it's been really cool to hear a little bit about your experience as someone who, you know, kind of went through that whole that whole grieving process like you talked about. So we really appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to our podcast episode today. Uh, Clark and I will be back in just a minute to kind of recap what what this whole White Cane Day is all about. Um, But we hope you guys enjoyed listening to our guests, and we'll be back shortly. Born with low vision or has your vision changed? Is it hard to read your mail or prices at the store? The Council of Citizens with Low Vision International, an ACB affiliate, is dedicated to provide tips and tools for your low vision needs with four monthly support calls, three Fred Scheigert College scholarships, Medicare advocacy for low vision devices, and more. Let's connect. Call toll-free 844-460-0625. That's 844-460-0625. 0625 or visit us at cclvi.org.
Awesome. Well, I know I enjoyed hearing from all three of our guests. Um, as always, we are so fortunate to have some pretty awesome members who are part of ACB. So thank you to all three of our guests. Yes. Thank you, Jeff Tom, Maria Kristich, and Lindsay Tilden. Tilden? Yes. Tilden. Tilden. Got it. Yep. Nailed it. Nailed it. So Claire, what were some of your biggest takeaways from this podcast? And um, White Cane Day. White Cane Day. I think it was just cool to hear about kind of the, um, I, I mean, it sounds so corny, but the indep- independence that those of us who are blind or visually impaired can have and how it's not, you know, one size fits all, that everybody kind of comes to it in their own way, way shape, and form. Um, they do things a little bit differently, but that the independent, there is the independence we can have as people who are blind or low vision. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I liked how Jeff Tom talked about his O&M instructor, mm-hmm. who you know, it sounds like he had a, a really positive role model For who sure. made using a white cane cool and not just something he had to do, but something that he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And it's just it just goes to show what a, a positive role model can do for people with disabilities, with them you know, accepting their lot in life, but also finding ways to move on, move up, and be better than than they currently are. So I, I really enjoyed hearing that, and what a a positive role all of the O and M instructors out there play in helping people who are blind live more independent lives. Are you trying to get brownie points with any O and M instructors who are listening? All of them. <laughs> yes. It's funny because my story is not quite the same as Jeff's, but it made me think back to my experience where, for you know, a while in elementary school, when I really started to need to use a white cane, I didn't want to use it for a while. But then I'd say, like by mid to higher elementary school, I decided I wanted to use my white cane because as quote-unquote embarrassed as I might be using a white cane I was infinitely more embarrassed to have my mom guide me around so I decided well you'll look cooler doing it yourself than holding onto your mom's arm that that is so true Um, (laughs) my story was similar to Lindsay and I'm sure is a relatable story to lots of our CCLVI Mm -hmm. affiliate members or folks out there uh, with low vision and degenerating or worsening vision Mm -hmm. is you kind of try to fake it till you make it and then you realize you're not faking Faking it anymore (laughs) and you're not fooling anyone yeah you know the only fool is you for uh, trying to hold on for probably years longer than you should have putting yourself at at jeopardy and looking like a jerk because you're just bumping into people all the time. For sure. Uh, so I, that is a totally relatable story to me. And then, yeah, once you, you know, get past your own ego and pride and accept the white cane or t- that you need a mobility device, whether it's a cane or a dog, things get easier. A lot easier, yeah. It was also really cool to hear um, about Maria Kristich just because um, not just in this conversation, but many conversations I've had with her about coming to the United States. I believe she said when she was five years old, so coming to a totally new culture. Um, I don't think she said she used a cane before that, you know, just come came to the U.S. and started using a cane, um, learning all that kind of stuff, and then going on to be a guide dog user and totally different culture and different environment and just really being exposed to how she could be independent was pretty exciting. So, yeah. 
That is a great story and great perspective as well. Uh, and Claire, if folks want to share their own white cane stories, that seems like something that would be great for the ACB Voices blog. That would definitely be something great to um, to submit to Tony Stevens and Anthony Corona to be a potential um, blog post because, you know, it's white cane day this week, but also it's just something that we always want to hear about because of, you know, independence and what a significant role um, Cane's play in, in the lives of, of people who are blind. In fact, isn't the name of the newspaper for the uh, Florida affiliate, isn't it something like the White Cane Post or something? I feel like they have White Cane in the title <laughs> of their newspaper. So just shows that in, in the ACV, we, we definitely celebrate the White Cane. So. so if you want to share your White Cane stories with the, the ACV Voices blog, please do that. And uh, also thanks to Lindsay and Maria for sharing their guide dog perspectives and stories as well definitely um as a guide dog user you know i i think i really respect what maria said that for those of us who are guide dog users that doesn't mean we're not white cane users we use them both for different situations um so you don't just put one away when you use the other um but it was definitely fun to talk to two guide dog users as a guide dog user myself and um you pick up the harness handle and it's unlike anything else it definitely offers a different form of independence I'd say everyone just, I know it's difficult right now in COVID socially distancing, pandemic, yada, yada, yada. Um, But it's still really important for us to be visible in the community, whether cane users or guide dog users. Um, It's really up to us to live the independent lives and be active in our community. And that includes voting uh, this fall, whether we do that Uh, remotely from home or if it's safe to do so in person i'll just uh, always put a plug in remember november 3rd is the last day to vote this year so take your white cane grab your guide dog harness get out there vote be counted be represented and show everyone what an independent blind person can do that's right i love it Cool. Uh, Well, as always, if you have any advocacy needs, please reach out to us at advocacy at acb.org. We're here to listen. We want to hear what's going on, whether it has to do with white canes, guide dogs, or anything else. Um, And yeah, keep listening. Thanks, everybody. And Clark, what do we always say? Keep advocating. Thanks for listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. You can reach us by emailing advocacy at acb.org. The ACB Advocacy Update is a production of the American Council of the Blind in Alexandria, Virginia. To learn more about ACB, visit us online at www.acb.org.